I'm excited about starting this brand new series called New. I know I'm, I'm, I try to be transparent with you as I talk about my life and what's going on. And I have let you know in the past that I, there have been many times I have disappointed myself. Many times that I have let myself down, that I have not done what I thought I should have, or maybe I just didn't react the right way, or maybe I didn't say the right thing or do the right thing. I can find myself in my life being good for a period of time, and ultimately, though, somewhere down the road, I get tired, emotionally tired or spiritually tired, and then I don't do so well. I don't respond appropriately, or I don't do the things I know that I should do. I let myself down. If you're like me, there have been points in your life where you have done the same thing. You've let yourself down. You didn't like the way you behaved. You were dissatisfied with some decision you made. Maybe you find yourself yelling at the kids or yelling at the grandkids or yelling at the neighbor's kids. Maybe you find yourself um, being good for periods of time, but then there are other moments where you just kind of let go and you get tired and you get worn out. Maybe you become overly critical, you become harsh of the very people you love that you're close with, you're impatient of, with your family. Maybe you solve problems by raising your voice. But maybe then there are other times when you are better, you try harder. Maybe you're at church and you try to do some church things, and when you find yourself being involved in church and doing some church things, maybe you find yourself behaving a little better. Maybe. Maybe you become a nicer person when you're involved in church. But then if you're like me again, then you say, but nice, nice is just not enough. Nice doesn't solve my problems. So we're going to look in the Word and find out how God kind of has this remedy when nice is not enough. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17 to start with. I've got a couple other I'm going to jump to. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, here's what it says. It says, at one time, we, this is Paul writing, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. In other words, as I was thinking about Jesus, as I was thinking about Christ, I had this set of expectations. I kind of placed him in this box, and this is how God would function, and this is how I understood him, and it had its parameters being the way I thought. But he says here, but how differently we know him now. This is how I used to think of Jesus, but oh my word, he said, how differently I know him now. And in order for us to know him, it means we have to spend large amounts of time with him. If we don't feel connected with Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, we have not been spending enough time with him. And I'm not talking about just on Sunday morning talking about during the week as we live our lives, when we are with someone every single day, the people you work with, the people in your family, they know you and you know them. And like if something's going to happen, they know in advance probably what your reaction is going to be because they know you. But they know you because they've been with you and around you. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, God has been busy in my life, changing and rearranging and making things new. Listen to verse 17. 
This means that anyone, he says, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And that's where we get the title for this series, New. We have this tendency to attend and to start doing church things, religious things. Think of it like this for a moment. It's kind of like our car, driving our car, because like if you hit a curb while you're driving, like like my daughter might, if you hit a pothole while you're driving, perhaps my daughter has done that. If you hit like the sonic drive-in sign while you're driving, which she most certainly has hit that, then things could happen to your car. And so your wheels could kind of get out of alignment eventually. And so then when you're driving down the road and you let go of your steering wheel, your car drifts off into kind of doing its own thing, right? And you can make it stay between the lines by grabbing the wheel and forcing it to do that. But, you know, if you're forcing your car to stay between the lines, you are wearing your car out. I mean, we know those tires are going to be worn out if you continue to do that. If you don't get things back into alignment, you will wear them out. Now, just think about this with your life. If you're on a trip, you can keep it between the lines, but it kind of wears you out trying to fight it. And if at any moment, if you let go of the wheel, that car's going to go back off the road. Now, think about this with your life. Long term, we can do things better And we can try harder and we can do religious things and church things. And by doing that, we can have our hand on the wheel of our life and make it go in a better direction. But unlike driving with our lives, we get tired emotionally, physically, spiritually. We get exhausted and worn out. We get beat up and beat down. And eventually, every single one of us, myself included, get so tired that we let go of the wheel of life. And when we do, our lives go right back where they were. Don't they? Because we can only hold on to that wheel of our life for so long. We can only course correct it ourselves for so long. Yes, we can do better. And yes, we can try harder and we can make things go the direction we want for a period of time. But there comes that moment when we just can't do it any longer because life gets so difficult, we let go. And then right when we thought everything was headed in the right direction and a good direction, when we let go of forcing our lives into a better place, they veer back and head right back where they were headed. Because religious things, religious behavior, it can make us nice, but nice is not enough. Nice doesn't solve my problems. Religious behavior... It can make me nice, but only Jesus Christ can make me new. We're talking about following Christ, not not just doing better or living better. We're talking about following Jesus. We're talking about being new. I'm going to jump to a portion of Scripture where Jesus was eating a meal with some really bad folks. 
I mean shady folks. I mean a lot like Stuttgart Harvest Church. <laughs> That's the way. I mean, he was, Jesus hung out with people just like me. Folks that other people might judge, that other people might, might draw some conclusions about. Folks that people that might get pushed to the sidelines. That's who Jesus hung out with, folks like me. And so here we have Jesus hanging out with some folks. In this particular scenario, he was hanging out with some folks who thought they were pretty important. And he uses this opportunity to tell a story and to teach them something. So let's peer into this conversation that Jesus has with these folks. And it's in the book of Luke. And I'm going to be in verse 16 here. It'll be on the screen for you. Um, here it goes. Verse 16, Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent many invitations. So he's getting ready for this feast, sends out invitations to invite tons of people. Verse 17, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants servant to tell the guests. He's, the guests said, come, the banquet is ready. So the invitations had already gone out. They knew what was coming up. They knew what was happening. So the invitations were out. And now they were saying, the banquet is ready. We want you to come and join us for the food. And so he said, when the banquet was ready, he sent a servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready, verse 18. But they all began making excuses. One said, well, I I just bought a field. I've got to inspect it. Just got a field. He said, you're going to have to excuse me. Verse 19, another one said, oh, I, I just bought five pair of oxen. I want to try them out. You're going to have to excuse me. Another one said, well, now I have a wife, so I can't come. We at Stuttgart Harvest Church have invited friends and family. In fact, some of them are probably sitting here with you today. And you've got some other friends and family that you have been inviting, maybe some folks you work with and you've been inviting them, but maybe they still haven't come. But we keep inviting, don't we? We keep inviting because that's what we do. We keep inviting. Well, here in verse 21, the servant returned and told his master's, master what they had said, and his master, it says, was furious. And now he says, go quickly. And I like that because it's like he's saying, you got to do this fast because time is running out and, and this is urgent. You can't even wait until tomorrow. He's like, you got to go do this now. He said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. He's saying there are people out there that have been overlooked, that have been pushed away, that have been, that have been uh, uh, ignored. He said, there are people out there, and I need you to go find them and invite those people. Invite the people who have been overlooked and the people who have been ignored. Because he said, we're not going to overlook them. And we're not going to ignore them. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to overlook them. And I'm not going to ignore them. They're not ignored by him. And they are not ignored by us at Stuttgart Harvest Church. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported, I've done this. And he said, there is still room for more. Verse 23, so his master said, all right, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone, absolutely anyone you find to come so that this house will be full. 
and at Stuttgart Harvest Church, everyone, every one is welcome because we believe that everyone, every single one can become new. Verse 24 says, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. But you know what? He says, you just go and keep inviting. Just go keep inviting. Why do we invite? We invite because God is real. And we know he is real because we are new people being created new because God is changing and rearranging our lives. And this is how he begins. It begins with a simple invitation. And we know that's, in fact, that's how Scott and Kathy got here because it was a simple invitation. The most famous verse in the Bible And if you've been to any game or watched a football game or any sporting event on TV, you've probably seen someone holding a sign that said what? John 3.16. The most famous verse in the Bible, this side of the New Testament. And in that same passage where we find that verse where Jesus is explaining all of this, we find a conversation that Jesus has with this man. And and there's this man, his name is Nicodemus, and he's a Pharisee, which just really means he's a super, super religious person. And so he kind of, under the cover of darkness, it's nighttime, he kind of hides himself and he makes his way through the crowd and he goes and finds Jesus so he could have a conversation with Jesus. And He's a wealthy guy, and he's a Pharisee, which means super religious, and he had all of these laws that he followed to the T, and it was these commands. And then there were these other commands that they added to the law, and they said, we need to do these so that we can do these better. And so they added to God's law. They had all of these laws they followed, about 613 commandments that they followed and he was a member of what's called the Sanhedrin, which is basically the Supreme Court for the Jewish people. And so it, this is a super important guy. Under the cover of darkness, he finds Jesus and has a conversation with him. And here's what he says to Jesus. He says, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, he said, we know that you really are from God. You have to be from God. And then Jesus takes the conversation and moves it this direction. Listen to where he goes. In John, this is chapter 3, the same chapter that has John 3, 16. This is just a little sooner. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus responds. He says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Just a moment ago, we talked about everyone. 
everyone is welcome. And now Jesus is saying no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. In other words, he's saying you have to have this physical life, this life that God has created and given you. You have to have this life. And we teach and believe that the Bible teaches that this life begins at conception, where God places a soul inside of that living life. And God says, you have to have this life I've created, but then you have to also be born of the Spirit. And he he talks about this more in verse 6. He said, humans can reproduce only human life. So in other words, he's saying, if this were up to you, you could just create life, another person, another being that God would place a soul into. He said, but you can't do this next part. He said, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He said, that's the only way. You can deal with the physical life, but only God's Spirit can get you to the next part of life, which is a spiritual life. Verse 7, so don't be surprised, Jesus said, when I say you must be born again. Not just self-improvement, born again, born into a new life. Not more religious behavior or religious law keepers. No, no, this is a new start, a new life. Not improving the old self. This is a creation of a new one. We're not talking about turning over a new leaf, but we're talking about experiencing a new life. Religious behavior can make you nice, but only Jesus Christ can make you new. You have to be born into this new life. And we use the phrase choosing to follow Jesus. That's what it takes, a new life. We can't do this. We can be better for a little while. We can improve ourselves for a period of time, but there will come the day when we let go and we just go right back to where we were. We don't need better. We need new. We don't need improved. We need brand new. Because our religious behavior, it can make us nice, but nice is not enough. It's going to take Jesus Christ to make me new. And that's where we come to us today. Where we just simply say, we're offering you, Jesus is offering you not just a better life. He's offering you a new start, a new life by making you a new creation from the inside out. And maybe this morning you're ready for that new life. Maybe you're ready for that to begin. Because if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, 
And when he died on the cross for you, he purchased your life because he was dying in your place, paying the price for your sin. Someone had to die. And he said, I'll die for you. And then three days later, he rose again, defeating death. If our story ended with Jesus on the cross, we would be in real trouble. It did not end there. It began there. And three days later, Jesus defeated death, and he's with God today in a place called heaven. And because he did that, we can say to him, Jesus, this life of mine, I have tried to be better and I am failing. I have tried to improve myself and I am failing. I need a new start. I need a new life. I need to be born again as a new creation, your creation. And so when you died on the cross, Jesus, this life of mine, you bought it. And so we use the phrase, giving our lives to Jesus. And that's why we can give him our lives to say, Jesus, this life, I've tried it on my own and I've failed. So I'm giving it to you. And because he died on the cross for us, he takes that life and he says, it's been paid for. Paid in full by my blood and my death. And he takes that life. And he begins to create you new. Not just a better Harley. A new creation. The old life is gone. He makes me new. And if that is what you need in your life, it's what I need. That's what I needed when I did this for the first time. I said, Jesus, you can have my life. It's yours. And he took a hold of my life. And listen to this. He has never let it go. Because if it were up to me, I would have let go. But it was not up to me. It was him. He never lets you go. And if you need to say for the first time, Jesus, you can have my life. I give it to you. In fact, that's what the letter A on the back of your connection card. If you're using the paper card, it's the letter A. If you're using the one on your app, it's also the letter A on your app. If you're saying to Jesus this morning for the very first time, Jesus, you can have my life. It's new life for me. And for the first time, I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's what you're saying, will you mark the letter A on the back of your connection card and say, this is what I am saying. Jesus, you can have my life. And guess what? The Word tells us when you do that, He moves into your life and He begins making you a new creation. Will you mark that on your card if that is what you're saying to Jesus right now? And before you leave today, I want you to pick up this from Guest Connections. It says, next steps 
first steps, and it talks about, it does not give you a list of rules and commandments. This talks about the steps that it takes for you, the steps that you can do to follow Jesus now. If you belong to Jesus, it means you follow him, and this will get you started. And then if on your connection card, make sure I have a good phone number where I can call you this week, and I'm going to get a hold of you. I'm just going to call you and encourage you. I'm not going to give you a list of commands to follow. I'm simply going to encourage you as you have given your life to Jesus, and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be a cheerleader for you. Make sure I have a good phone number where I can get in touch with you. And now, there's another step some of you may want to take. The letter B this week on your connection card stands for this. It means I'm going to read John chapter 3, and I'm going to ask God, what step do you want me to take? This is a significant chapter in the book of John. The very same chapter that has John 3.16 that most famous verse in New Testament times, that that same chapter, I'm going to ask you to read the whole chapter and just simply have a conversation with God. God, what step do you want me to take? What is it for me this week? So my hope is that you will take a step with us. Maybe your very first step in you circling the letter A, saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. The letter B is a step we can all take to say, I'll read chapter 3 of John and I'll have a conversation with God to say, God, what do you want? Freedom in our life comes from being born again, not from doing better or trying harder. That does not bring you freedom. Freedom only comes when we say yes to Jesus and give him our lives. No longer us just trying harder, doing better, but it's learning to live this new life, following Jesus and inviting the people around us to come on that journey with us. And that's what you've been doing or that's what you are doing. I'm going to ask you to pray with me and we're getting ready to sing some songs to to God using lyrics and words from songs just to simply say, Jesus, you are amazing, and we're choosing to follow you. Let's pray. God, as Paul wrote, we too at one time, we thought of Christ just merely in human terms and from our own point of view, we had Christ in this box and said, this is who he is and this is how he functions. But God, we know you differently now because we're learning how to spend time with you, how to spend our day with you as we go about our lives. We know you differently now. And we also know this, that anyone who belongs to you, Jesus, anyone who belongs to you becomes a new person, not just self-improvement, not just doing better, but you make us new. Paul told us that this old life is gone and a new life has begun. Thank you. Thank you that you are willing to create us new. 
In the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.